as we come to the Lord's table this morning, we're going to revisit our occasional series uh, as we've been getting ready the last few months for the Lord's Supper. We've been looking at the different types of sacrifices in the Old Covenant. Uh, the different five major ones that are introduced in the book of Leviticus for Old Covenant believers, now each of them with a various uh, in focus and, and a thing aspect of the gospel that's highlighted, but all of them we've seen are pointing forward to Christ and what Christ has accomplished once and for all. And so as we come with a, with a New Testament, a New Covenant picture of the gospel, looking back to what Jesus has done, uh, we'll get ready by looking at how the Old Testament sacrifices pointed forward, uh, and knowing that the same Christ and the same good news, uh, we're encouraged, strengthened, and prepared to celebrate the Lord's Supper as his people. So this morning we come to talk about the peace offering. We talked about the burnt offering and the and the grain offering this morning, the peace offering, and you can we'll read two different passages from Leviticus chapter three and then chapter seven, uh, each talking about how this is to be done. Uh, and so let's listen uh, to the word of the Lord uh, to us this morning, Leviticus chapter one, chapter three, beginning with verse one. If his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offers an animal from the herd, male or female. He shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. <clears throat> and he shall lay his hand on the head of the, his offering and kill it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall throw the blood against the sides of the altar. And from the sacrifice of the peace offering, as a food offering to the Lord, he shall offer the fat covering the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering, which is on the wood of the, on the fire. It is a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Then over in Leviticus chapter 7. And this is the law of, of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving... He shall offer with thanksgiving with a thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread, and it shall and from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day what remains of it shall be eaten. Let's pray for the Lord's blessing. Lord, we do come asking for the power of your Spirit to be present, to use the Word to encourage and strengthen and show us your glory. Even this morning we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. Picture with me a wedding reception. Not just any wedding reception, the best wedding reception you've ever been to. 
the kind of celebration where you, you get to it and you think, this, this is it. This is how it should be done. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Well, probably it includes a, a, a tone, a mood of celebration, joy, people doing things that are just a little bit different than normal life, right? It has, has a unique, different quality to it. People are dressed a little bit differently. Why not? It's, a, it's something, a special occasion. So you put on your best. A different food. Right? Yeah, of course, you could get away with peanut butter and jelly, but why would you? So you, you, you bring out the best. Uh, something special, something different. Something that says celebration, lavish joy. People are smiling and excited, and, and, and there's a, a joyful quality to it. And if it's done well, there's a sense of connection to what happened previously, right? The reason for your joy, the reason for your celebration, it's what happened there uh, at the church, this, this covenant bond between two individuals, the, the, the man and the woman, the lives joined together, two becoming one uh, in, in a covenant bond uh, to love and serve one another till death part them. The seriousness and specialness of that covenant and those vows uh, then overflows into a celebration of joy uh, and feasting. That picture gives us, I think, a little bit of an understanding of what the peace offering of the Old Covenant is to be about. Uh, and gives us an understanding of a, one important aspect of the Lord's Supper. Now, we have to do a little bit of work to get there. Uh, the book of Leviticus is, is strange to our ears. It's, it's a worship manual. It gives you all the how-tos and what to do, and we can get lost in the details. So we have to begin to reconstruct a little bit the, the picture and what it's meant to achieve. And and the focal points, like we did with the other sacrifices, we're going to try to hone in on what's a little bit different about this. Now, there's a lot of uniquenesses between the sacrifices, but we're going to try to hone in on what's different because that gives you uh, this unique facet of the good news uh, that is, of course, fulfilled in what Christ has done. And uh, the, the fellowship offering, the peace offering, uh, is something like that wedding reception, that wedding celebration, where the, the key element is joyful celebration. Joyful celebration. Let's first make that point, the peace offering as joyful celebration, and then we'll talk about why, what exactly we're celebrating. Uh, peace offering pointing forward to Christ, and yes, Lord's Supper pointing back to Christ. So, well, peace offering as joyful celebration. What is it that's distinctive about this particular kind of sacrifice? Uh, it's this element. Uh, as a worshiper, with the peace offering, you get to eat some of the offering. This is a little bit different. And you might remember, uh, the first one we looked at was the burnt offering, and the entire thing got offered up to the Lord. Uh, you didn't get any of it. Uh, or, or other offerings, the priests get a portion. We read of that with the grain offering. But here with the peace offering, uh, you as a worshiper get to eat some of it. Did you catch that in Leviticus 7? There's even specific instructions about when you're supposed to eat it. Uh, this is the unique part. You walk away from offering up 
this peace offering with some of the meat. Meat. That in and of itself makes it a special occasion. Uh, the meat wasn't just the everyday food in, in, in the ancient world, in ancient Israel. Uh, you might think with all the Old Testament references to flocks and herds, you might think they would have meat all the time. But the truth is they didn't. Uh, meat was not the staple of their diet. It was a rare treat. Uh, and so the fellowship offering to walk away uh, with, with meat and a good portion of it, uh, this was a special occasion. This was a celebration. Uh, it's, it's, it's like... It's like getting that wedding invitation, and you scan down the menu choices, and you're looking for what you don't normally get. Uh, and so I'm, I'm scanning right past the chicken. You can keep the chicken. Uh, I'll, I'll get that other times. Filet mignon, that's it. I don't get that very often. That's where we're going to check, right? Special, something different. Because uh, it's a celebration. And that's the idea with, with the peace offering. It enters into this quality of joyful celebration. Deuteronomy 27 uh, makes this comment about this command about peace offerings. Uh, we read there uh, about peace offerings. You shall rejoice before the Lord. You shall rejoice before the Lord. The joy uh, connected with this offering is commanded. You have to rejoice. This is part of it. This is the very core. Perhaps you can already start to see some of the connections with the Lord's Supper. Again, this uh, offering, peace offering, we don't do it anymore because it's fulfilled in Christ. But now with the Lord's Supper, we, we look back on the finished work of Christ. And if we're doing it correctly, there is this similar quality of joyful celebration. Even just notice that we even call it the celebration of the Lord's Supper. That there is something that we are celebrating. Uh, and we are celebrating it with something that's a little bit different. Uh, it's it's different kind of food. Not because we, we never have bread or, or never have wine or, or grape juice. But well, it's certainly served up in a different way, in a different manner. There's something, something set apart about it. Something different. Uh, and it has that same feel to it. This is, this is something that we're celebrating. This is joyful celebration. But what exactly are we celebrating? What exactly are we all excited about? And that's where we'll spend the bulk of our time. The reasons for celebration. Okay, so go back to the peace offering. Uh, what is that worshiper celebrating there? Well, it's right there in the, the name itself. It's a peace offering. So the, the first thing that is celebrated is God's peace. God's peace. The name of the offering uh, comes from a Hebrew word that you know, uh, the word shalom. Shalom. It's the word for peace. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than, than just our concept of peace. Peace, wholeness, well-being. Uh, but specifically, peace that God gives as a gift to his people. Peace that God gives as a gift to his people. Because peace is not something that's ours by nature, in and of ourselves. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, by nature and by our, by our sinful practice, we are, we are not whole and we are not at peace with God. Right? Sin has us at war with God. That's a real sense in which what sin is. Because sin is, is not just a little mistake, but sin is an act of 
rebellion against God, there's a real sense in which our hearts in sinning are, are declaring war on God. Uh, we want nothing to do with him. Uh, we want to take over his place on the throne. Uh, it's an act of war in a real sense. And, of course, because God is a holy God uh, and, and our sin is a sin against him, uh, he has a corresponding wrath and judgment that's due for sin. So there's this, this hostility that, that we have because of our sin. Now, all the way back to the fall, and, we, and it's, it's ours by, by practice as well. Uh, so this not state of peace, but state of hostility between us and God. The only hope is, somehow, peace needs to be made. Well, we can't do it. We don't have the ability, but God does it. God gives it as, as the gift. Our, and, and because it's sin that causes the hostility, our sin needs to be dealt with in order to have peace with God. And how is it that God brings about that peace and deals with our sin? Well, we see that picture here in the, in the sacrifice. Right? We're told uh, that, that the worshiper in bringing the sacrifice is to bring uh, this animal before the Lord, this animal without blemish, again, is emphasized, spotless, no faults, no blemishes. In other words, it's perfect. Unlike you, the worshiper, Unlike you, the sinner coming before the Lord, very much stained, very much uh, uh, imperfect, but the animal perfect, spotless. And then we're told the worshiper lays his hands upon the head. And we talked about that a couple months ago. Lays his hands upon the head of the animal. The picture there being identification, substitution, right? This animal for me, uh, this animal spotless, me, Spotted, guilty, sinful. The animal is killed. It doesn't deserve to die. It's spotless. I do deserve to die. The animal for me. We're told the priest takes the blood and pours it out on the altar. The blood which symbolizes life. Uh, life poured out. That's the wages of, of sin. Death. Uh, but here's this, this substitution. The animal uh, for the sinful worshiper. And therefore, since, since sin is dealt with, there is peace with God. Now, the Old Covenant animal sacrifices, as, uh, as Hebrews makes the point quite clearly, they never really could deal with sin. Uh, they're, they're just ceremonial pictures. It was all preparing the way and pointing forward uh, to Christ, the ultimate and final sacrifice uh, for sin. He's the, he's the fulfillment of it all. He, Jesus is the final and true peace offerer. To use the words of, of Isaiah, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Can you see the picture fulfilled? Here we are. We're the, we're the guilty ones. We're the, we're the stained ones. We're the ones who have rebelled against God. But here comes, here comes Jesus, spotless, sinless, faithful to God, and righteous in every way that we're not. And he comes and he lays down his life as a sacrifice. And there on the cross, Jesus dies substitution. He dies in our place. God, as it were, at the cross, 
makes war upon the Father, makes war upon the Son, pours out the judgment that we deserve upon Jesus. The, 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 the Jesus who is spotless. The Jesus that the Father declares, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. And yet he gets the judgment. Uh, he gets that wrath, that, that war that, that we deserve. And what's the result for all who trust in him? Peace. Peace. Peace through the blood of his cross. Uh, to use another uh, New Testament quote. Peace through the blood of his cross. Because Christ is that final offering, that final substitute. Did you ever notice this? In reading through the Gospels, right? So Christ dies on the cross, and he's raised up on the third day, and then appears to his disciples uh, a number of different times. Did you ever notice uh, that more often than not, when he appears to his disciples after the resurrection, he greets them very specifically with these words, Peace to you. Did you ever notice that? Not every time, but more often than not, he greets them, Peace to you. That's not a prayer. That's an announcement. Peace to you. Because uh, the substitute has just died for sinners. Uh, The peace offering has just been given. Uh, Through the blood of the cross, there is now peace. And now the resurrected, victorious, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world rises up and greets his own as peace with. He announces it. It's done. It's painful. And that's what God announces to all his people, even to you here this morning. What did we read in Romans 5? We read, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So if you're one and who's trusting in the Lord Jesus, Spirit has worked that faith in your heart, Uh, You're clinging not to to your own good works as if that were good enough to make you right with God, to bring peace with God, but you're clinging to what Christ has done as that final, that only true substitute in your place. You're clinging to Christ and his cross. Then God says to you, announces to you, you have peace with God. Justified. In other words, forgiven, declared righteous in God's sight through Jesus. No longer are you in hostility with God, no longer under the wrath of the Father. Now, peace. His child, beloved, celebrated. You get that same message at the Lord's Supper. Right, again, now, now we're looking back. In a sense, it's even, it's even more uh, of, a th- of a cause for celebration uh, because now it's fulfilled, the final sacrifice. Uh, notice notice what's, what's on the menu here. They're not random uh, choices on the menu, options on the menu. It's very specific, this feast, right? It's elements that are emblems of his crucified body and shed blood. Elements that point to and focus your attention on the offering has been made. The substitute has has gone and died in my place. You can save yourself as you receive it from the Lord. 
And so the and so the message that the Lord's Supper proclaims to you is is Christ saying, "Peace to you." Peace to you. Not not as prayer, but as announcement. Peace because it's done. It's 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 accomplished. It's forgiven. The Lamb of God has died, and it's peace with God through the blood of his cross. That's reason to celebrate. And that's why we come joyfully. That's why we come uh, with, with, we said it a, a few months ago, that it's okay to come to the Lord's Supper with a smile on your face. Not, not silly, but, but joyful. There's, there's something to smile about here. The Lamb of God has died for you. Peace to you, he says. Wow, if that doesn't make you smile, that's part of it. The celebration of God's peace. Another aspect of the peace offering is the celebration of God's presence. And we begin to, begin to pick up speed for these final two points. The celebration of God's presence. We said part of what's unique about the fellowship offering, or the peace offering, is that you got to eat some of the meat. But you get some, but we, we saw in Leviticus 3, God also gets some of the animal. Right? Very specific parts. It's the best parts of the animal. The richest, the fattiest, the, uh, the, the, the most prized portions of the animal, that goes to God because he deserves the best. But, but there's an emphasis here that it goes to God as a food offering. It's here in uh, verse 5. It's an emphasized again in verse 11. Uh, you could, there's even, an, uh, verse 11, emphasis on this as the priest shall burn this portion to the Lord on the altar as food a food offering to the Lord. Right? This, is, this is God's part of the meal. You get, as a worshiper, get part of the, the food. God gets part of the food. Not because God is hungry. And, and Israelites who were, who were faithful and knew their, their scripture would understand this perfectly. God declares it right out in, in Psalm 50. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Uh, they would know uh, that this isn't some pagan notion of you've got to feed the gods. But, but see the symbolism there of the, the food burned on the altar. This is God's portion. God's portion. You get your portion, God gets his portion. So the meal that we're talking about here is a meal with God. A covenant meal with God. Kind of like a wedding celebration. You know, a wedding celebration, you have a covenant bond that's made. Right? Two people bound together uh, with promises. And, and so with, the, with the, the peace offering, there's this bond, God saving his people. And then the celebrating of it with, with a meal. The, the most intimate of acts in, in human, some, one of the most intimate acts in human terms, sharing a meal with someone. It's this picture in scripture of, of, of sealing and celebrating the covenant. And here, you, you have that symbolized as, well, God gets his portion of food, the worshiper gets his. There's a meal with the Lord, because he's present with his people. He's present with them in the old course. It was there, that glory presence there in the tabernacle. This meal with God. Now we celebrate the fulfillment of that. Now God present with us in an even more powerful way as the Holy Spirit fills his people as a group and as individual believers. Uh, and God with us, and we get to enjoy that here at the Lord's Supper. 
God present with us in this powerful, powerful way. Uh, we should rightly emphasize that God is not present with us because, uh, because the physical elements turn into body or blood of Jesus. No, no, no. But he's present with us really, truly, because the Spirit of Christ uh, is here uh, with us. And as we, as we partake in faith, we have fellowship with the Lord himself. And that's exactly how Paul puts it in, in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation, a, a fellowship in the blood of Christ? The bread, is it not a fellowship with the body of Christ? Uh, that, that as we come in faith, uh, it's a meal with God. It's the Lord's table, Lord Jesus' table. He's the host. He's present through his spirit. He draws near to his own and it's this celebration with God, the very goal of our, of our salvation, and the very reason that God made peace with, with sinners is that so he could be with them, uh, so that he could be their God, present with them, and, and that the meal emphasizes and, and celebrates that. This is why God made peace. This is why God drew me, why God saved me, so that he might be with me and with us. And we celebrate here uh, at the Lord's table. Finally, uh, a celebration with God's people. So what are we celebrating as we take the Lord's Supper? It corresponds to what the peace offering was about, a celebration of God's peace, a celebration of God's presence, and finally, a celebration with God's people. So if you were an Old Testament believer bringing, bringing a, a, a sacrifice, a peace offering to the Lord, well, you walk away joyfully with, with that portion of meat, uh, but, but it's a pretty sizable portion of meat. And as Leviticus 7 told us, you have to eat it today, or maybe today and tomorrow, depending on what kind of offering it is. But you you got to eat it fairly quickly. Big portion of meat, you got to eat it fairly quickly. You can't do it by yourself, so what do you end up doing? You invite family, friends to celebrate with you. So part of the picture then becomes not just me and God, uh, but God drawing near to his people. Uh, we're a bond with, with God, but also with his people, with the community, uh, the Lord. You're celebrating with the Lord's people. And again, that's part of the Lord's Supper as well. You don't come just you and Jesus here to the table. You come with the family of God. Uh, we're one body. And we partake of the one bread. We were united and, and we celebrate that bond that we already have to one another. You're bound to Jesus and I am too and we're bound to each other. I can't just dismiss you, ignore you, pretend you're trivial. We're family and we celebrate that here. We realize that's a joyful thing, a, a wonderful blessing for the Lord. It brings challenges, of course, but that's exactly where God is working. It's part of his saving work. This is why he made peace, to create a whole people, a whole family for his very own. So we come to the table and we, we celebrate that, uh, that connection to one another. We affirm it uh, again before the Lord. So we began thinking about a wedding celebration, a wedding reception. A covenant bond has been made something solemn and serious, but that solemn and serious bond then 
overflows into joyful celebration. And that is a good picture of what, what we do at the Lord's table. God has, has made a covenant with his people. He's, he's descended, he's condescended uh, to us to, to be our God and we his people. We don't deserve it. We certainly don't earn it. He earns it. He pays the price. Christ dies. In fact, it's, it's right there in, uh, pictured in the elements themselves. But, but that death, that saving rescue has a purpose. Uh, it's to draw us to him. Uh, so that there might be peace between us and God and that we might be drawn to him as his people and drawn to one another as the family of God. And we come and we, oh, we celebrate what great things God has done. So yes, it's, there's a sense of solemnity. This is serious business. God has done something. Uh, this isn't silly at all. But yet it is appropriate to come with a smile on your face, with joy in your heart. There's something good, very good, that God has done, and we joyfully celebrate it together as his people. Well, let's, let's pray, and then we'll sing and come to the Lord's table as his people. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the good things that you have done. We thank you that that, that peace offering has been made, that Christ has done it, and Lord, we by faith cling to him, and, and, our, and thank you for all the riches that flow from it. We pray, Lord, that you, you would strengthen your people here gathered, even using this means you have set apart to encourage your own. We thank you for it and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.